is wonderful to be with you today. My name's Mike. I'm one of the pastors on the team. And uh, I just want to start by saying I am so proud of our orphan care team. I'm so proud of uh, Pastor Michelle Schneidler and her, uh, <laughs> and her husband, uh, Barrister Andrew Schneidler. <laughs> and um, they, they have hosted our Refresh Conference this week. And, and if you don't know what that is, it was an amazing conference. 1,600 moms and dads came and were refreshed. These are, these are folks who are involved in the foster care and, um, and adoption. Um, basically, they've, they've invited a ministry into their own homes. And in some cases, it was a very, very difficult ministry. And so the whole purpose was to refresh and to encourage and to support. And if you're here from Refresh, we are so excited that you're here with us today. Um, we do have a gift for you. And, um, and I know Michelle and Andrew and I, we'd love to meet you out at the info desk afterwards, give you that gift and just tell you again that we love you. We love being on this journey with you. As an adoptive dad, I, I just couldn't be more proud of the story that God is writing with our church in regards to being a part of this uh, orphan care movement. So thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Refresh. We love you. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, I, I'm wrapping up a series today on the Trinity. So if you want to grab your notes out of your handouts, uh, you'll see that uh, we're, we're finishing this idea of Trinity, and, and it's so rich and complex, and, and there's no way in three weeks we could unpack all of it or make it, uh, these truths accessible to everyone. I just want to start with a, a couple of uh, pictures, right? And, and some people over the course of my last 25 years of ministry have come up to me and said, hey, Mike, I did a word search in the Bible. Did you know the word Trinity is not even in the Bible? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I have read it. Uh, I do know <laughs> that the word Trinity is found nowhere in the Bible, but the, the picture of the Trinity, the, the, the Trinity itself is actually described all throughout the scriptures. And so I just want to give you two just real quick snapshots. If you look at your outline, or if you look at the screen, Matthew 3, 16 and 17, here's a picture. When he had been baptized, this is Jesus, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So it's a picture that we get in the scripture of the Trinity. We see Jesus coming up out of the water after he's been baptized. We see the Holy Spirit coming down, alighting upon him, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove, and we hear a voice from heaven. The voice says, this is my beloved son. It's the voice of the Father. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Father, Son, and Spirit, one paragraph. That's a picture of the Trinity. The next, the next verse is from 1 Peter. It's when Peter's writing a letter to the various churches. Peter, in one verse, says this. He says, God, the Father, knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Do me a favor, and why don't you circle God, circle spirit, and circle Jesus. And there you go. In one verse, you have a picture 
of the Trinity. And it's beautiful. And again, it's all throughout. This is by no means the only pictures of Trinity we see. Uh, you know, we see so many glimpses of God. We obviously have so much about Jesus. The Spirit is all the way through. And, and so Father, Son, and Spirit, these are the three expressions of one God, the Trinity. Okay, And I know that's complex. I know it's hard to get our minds around. Pastor Gary, a couple of weeks ago, talked about our God being triune, right? Tri meaning three, yun meaning uno, tri-uno, God, right? Three in one. And for decades and even centuries, people have talked about analogies to try to help us get our minds around the Trinity. One analogy uh, that I've heard, maybe you've heard, is about an egg, right? Uh, an egg. If you could picture me holding an egg, an egg, I, I, I'm holding up an egg. I say, how many eggs do I have? You'd say, you have one egg and no brain. Okay, that's what you say. So one egg, but what's in, a, what's in the egg? The egg is made of three parts. You've got the shell, you've got the white, you've got the yolk. So three in one. Again, if it's not helpful, just jettison that, okay? Another uh, analogy that might be helpful is think about the, the various roles that you play. So if I was talking about myself, I, I am Mike the son to my parents. I am Mike the husband to my wife, and I am Mike the dad to my kids. So I have three distinct roles, and, and I actually operate somewhat differently out of those distinct roles, and yet I am just one Person. So three in one. And again, if that analogy doesn't help, just, just toss that. Uh, another thing that you might want to think about is that the entire universe reflects the Trinity. So think about how space is organized, three dimensions, length, breadth, height, how matter uh, operates, energy, motion, phenomena, how time operates, past, present, and future, that, that there are all of these expressions of three in one throughout our daily existence. Kind of interesting. And if you still have a tough time understanding the Trinity, that's okay. Theologians have had a tough time understanding the Trinity for 2,000 years. And it is one of those things where even if we don't fully understand it, get our minds totally around this concept, it, it's okay. I was telling my staff, I really think it's okay that if we end up, you know, praying to God, but we end up, you know, it really is a prayer directed to Jesus. I, I said, it's okay. They're, they're okay sorting email in heaven, right? They, they understand who we're praying to. One of the things that we recognize as humans is we don't understand a lot of the stuff that we use and enjoy and embrace every day. I mean, be honest. You don't understand electricity. You just don't. Like, you don't get it. You, you, know, you know it's made with, like, water or solar or something, but you just, like, and yet every day you flip on a light switch and you enjoy reading, you know, I think you do. This is going to be a really dry message, you guys. <laughs> that was as good as it gets right there. <laughs> Last thing I want to say is because it's current events, this weekend a movie came out called The Shack. The Shack based on a book by the title The Shack. And so The Shack, when it, the, the book came out several years ago, it stirred up a bit of controversy. And, um, and I thought it was a little bit of unjust controversy. And so I went ahead and read it. And as a, a work of what I would call spiritual imagination, I found it moving and powerful. 
And, and, and the reason why people run it down sometimes, I think, and again, I haven't seen the movie. I'm not speaking about the movie, just the book. I think the pe- reason why people run it down sometimes is because they think it needed to operate like Scripture. It's not Scripture. And, and, and so, again, it's like an, it's like an analogy. If, it, if it's helpful for you, then great. Take it and run with it. If it's unhelpful for, unhelpful for you, just forget it, just like you did the analogies, just like you will my message. Okay, so... <laughs> I'm jumping in. We're talking about the Holy Spirit today, third part of the Trinity, uh, God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit. This is going to be like a Holy Spirit 101. We're actually going to move fairly quickly through your outline. The, the, the point is this. The point is for some of you who have been walking with the Lord for a long time, who have really been embracing what the Scripture says about the Holy Spirit, embracing His presence in your life, then for you, you're going to find this message a little bit too basic. But for others of you who maybe you're just checking out this church thing for the first time, for maybe whom the concept of the Trinity is really confusing, then then I really, I kind of put this together so that all of us could get on a ground level for, oh, I get it. This is the basic truth of what the scripture talks about when we talk about the Holy Spirit. So let's go ahead and jump right in. If you're filling in the blank, the first one is that the Holy Spirit makes us alive in God. The Holy Spirit brings us what we call spiritual life, right? It's God's spirit working in our hearts, bringing us to life spiritually. Uh, The scripture says, John 3, verse 6, humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. We are given physical life, biological life from our parents. The Greek word for that is bios, and that's what, that's what the verse says, that, that, that humans create human life. That's biology. It's, it's bios. But the Spirit gives spiritual life. The word for that in Greek is zoe. It's a totally different kind of a life. It's a life of our spirit. We talk about the spirit raising us from death to life, the spirit moving us from being lost to being found. We are quickened spiritually. And and this could, for you, have happened in an instant, right? Just boom, God meets you and you're alive spiritually. For others of us, it might have taken some time, a process, as we explore the truths of God, as we lean into God's love, as we seek to experience the grace of Jesus, just over the course of a journey, we are brought to life spiritually. So I don't know how it's happened for you, but when we accept and when we believe in God's love through Jesus, the Spirit comes and the Bible says dwells within us. And that's what this next part says, John 14 Verses 15 through 18, Jesus is speaking. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Uh, We'll leave the verse up on the screen here for a moment. What are the commandments of Jesus? Well, in this context, he's actually talking very specifically about love. So if you continue to read the discourse that he's in in John 14 and 15, he says multiple times, my commandment is that you love one another. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. If you want to know what love looks like, here it is, no greater love than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. He's unpacking this concept of love. He insists upon it with his followers. He says, this is how the world is going to know that you are my followers is if you love one another. So this concept of love is the commandment that he's talking about. If you love me, he says, you'll keep this commandment. You'll keep these commandments to love. And by the way, just a side note on that. 
some of you think that, oh, what a, what a shallow command, what, what an easy-to-follow, hippie-esque kind of a command, and, and that's actually untrue if you're thinking about love, because there are a whole host of people that are really easy for you to love. Your friends, your family, the very lovable people in your life, the people who love you, you tend to love back. That's sweet and it's beautiful and it's easy. But that's not what Jesus is totally talking about here. He's also talking about loving the people that are difficult to love. Loving the people that that wear you down a little bit. Loving the people who specifically don't love you. Loving the people who disagree with your political views on Facebook. There's all kinds of folks that are difficult to love, and, and that's where we actually find ourselves in incredible need, right? We're in deficit. It's really hard to love those who are unlovable. So this is why Jesus continues. He says, and I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper. You might want to circle the word helper. Another helper that he may abide with you forever forever. The spirit of truth, you might want to circle that phrase, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Look at this. For he dwells with you. You can circle that phrase. And will be in you. And then Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. Okay, so we need help to love one another. If you're filling in the blanks, the next one is the Holy Spirit helps us. The Holy Spirit helps us. Jesus says, the Father will give you a helper. 16 times in the scriptures, this idea, this concept of helper, God takes on himself. He says, I'll be your helper. I'll help you. And, and it's an amazing thing to see here that, that God, he, he, his spirit comes and, and is with us to help us to live and to love. You will never face a single challenge in your life on your own. That God is always available to help you. And often I think we don't understand the Holy Spirit's help. Often I, I, I just think we miss it. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit is helping us in terms of uh, times that we need comfort. The Holy Spirit helps us in times that we need counsel. The Holy Spirit helps us when there are times we need conviction, maybe of our sin or our selfishness. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. The Holy Spirit is with us, and and just his presence with us is a source of help. And many times, I just want to tell you, I think we just don't have the eyes to see. We just miss it. I wonder how many times that, you know, maybe there's a time when you're feeling a little down, and you open up your email, and there's a, there's a message from a friend that speaks encouragement to you, and you feel better about that, and that was the Holy Spirit orchestrating that. Maybe, maybe there's just times when what you thought was a coincidence that turns out into a blessing, it's the Holy Spirit who is behind that. And we just don't know, but, but the scripture is very clear that the Holy Spirit is a helper, your helper, my helper. The next fill-in, the Holy Spirit leads us to truth. Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Now, God's enemy is Satan, and the Bible talks about Satan very clearly as the father of lies. He is the deceiver. He is the distorter of truth. He is the author of, you know, theological fake news, right? That's Satan. He's the the enemy of God. Now, by contrast, God is truth. 
Right? God is the father of all truth, and so the Spirit is, is he's truth in us, and he leads us into truth. I was saying that there's a couple of scripture that you might be familiar with, and it actually it ties in a couple of concepts. The Spirit of God, truth, and freedom, because truth and freedom are so clearly associated in scripture. For example, in John chapter 8, Jesus says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's right. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then when Paul is writing his letter to the Corinthians, he says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's right. So truth will set you free. The Spirit brings freedom. Why? Because the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. The Spirit will bring truth, and truth is what brings freedom. All right, the next fill-in. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. Interesting to note that when Socrates was sentenced to death, he uh, was surrounded by his followers on the last night of his life, and before he drank the poison, the hemlock there, uh, they were all kind of gathered around, and they were all sad, very somber, obvious, naturally so. And one of his disciples blurts out in a moment of despair, you will leave us as orphans. And by contrast, Jesus says what? I will not leave you as orphans. I, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you, right? The spirit, the spirit of truth, the spirit of God, your helper will come and he will dwell within you and he will be with you. And, and that's the promise. That's the, Jesus could not have made this assertion any more strongly. In fact, if you read it in Hebrews chapter 13, Jesus says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. What the language that in the Greek is, I will never, not ever under any circumstances ever leave you nor forsake you. Friends, that is good news. It's good news to know that the same power that raised Jesus from the grave dwells within you. Right? That's good news. Okay, let's go to the next verse. It says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Now, a couple of things. When you see wilderness in the Bible, I don't want you to think of like Alaskan wilderness. I don't want you to think of forested mountains and valleys and streams and just no, you know, technology. There's no Wi-Fi signal. Like, that's not, that's not wilderness. I, I want you to think of Barstow, California. It's just, like, expansive, just kind of rocks, tumbleweed blowing through, real dry, arid, not a whole lot going on. That's the wilderness that, that Jesus was led into, full of the Holy Spirit. And if you know the story in this context, you know that he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, and he was going to fast, and he was going to be tempted. So the Holy Spirit, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where he would experience pain. And here's the filling. The Holy Spirit leads us into difficult situations. Yay! No? Oh, it's so funny that you guys just didn't raise up and just, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, a lot of times in our Christian faith, we don't recognize, we don't, we don't celebrate this reality that the Holy Spirit leads us 
into difficult situations. And, and so often what we think of in our, our American context is that God will only lead us into blessing. I do believe that God leads us into blessing. But I believe God also leads us into difficult situations so that we can understand and appreciate our blessing. In fact, I would say that the primary reason why God leads us into difficult situations is for our own betterment. It's for our own growth. It's for our own advancement. It's to wean us from our selfishness. It's to, it's to cause us to grow spiritual muscles. This is why God would lead us, the Holy Spirit would lead us into difficult situations. It's a, a little bit analogous to a, a parent of a young child learning to walk. If you want to think about maybe some of those pre-toddler days, and, and I can think about this with my own kiddos, when you would grab their little fists and you would kind of help them walk along the carpet and they would hold on to your fists and just move along and, and you, would, you would be the guide, right, and you would be the, the one holding them up. And then after a while, they seemed to get that. You would let go of one hand and just hold one hand so that it would just be with one hand. And then after a little bit longer, what you would do is, is you would let go of that second hand. And it's not because the parent wouldn't let go because they didn't want to be with the child. The parent would only let go because they wanted the child to develop those muscles on their own and to learn how to walk and then to stride on their own. And, and, and the Holy Spirit will do that to us. Right? The, the Holy Spirit will be with us and hold us up and comfort us and guide us. And then you can see that there are times when the Holy Spirit allows us to walk, to develop our spiritual muscles on our own so that we'll be able to walk and then to be steadfast on our own and, and to develop that kind of a perseverance. You know, I mentioned the Refresh Conference earlier and, and the foster and adoptive families that, that we seek to serve with Refresh. And this point really speaks to that. That sometimes the Holy Spirit leads us into things that are hard. And, and many of us who, who, who have opened our homes to adoption or foster care, we know that God is leading us there. Maybe you've gone into something difficult where you knew that God was leading you there. Like starting a business or like embracing a ministry. And once you got into it, once you really got knee deep into it, you suddenly discovered, this is hard. And you might have been tempted to think, God, I thought you were in this. You, you might be tempted to think that because it's hard, God must have made a mistake. Friends, just the opposite. So often, Jesus, or the, the Holy Spirit, rather, as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, he will lead us into things that are hard or difficult, but it's not a sign that he's abandoned us. Rather, it's a sign that's exactly where he wants us for our growth, for our betterment, for our advancement in the kingdom. Let's take a look at the next verse. This is what Jesus says. He says, he's talking to his disciples, and by proxy, he's talking to us. Jesus says, but when you are arrested and stand trial, you might just want to underline that and then go, what? <laughs> when I'm arrested? I, I didn't sign up for that. When I stand trial, what's going on? It's just one more example. Jesus is saying, hey, difficult times will come. Just because the difficult times come does not mean that God's abandoned you. In fact, it's just the opposite. Look what he says here. When you're arrested, stand trial. Don't worry in advance about what to say. Just say what God tells you at that time, for it's not you who will be speaking, but the Holy Spirit. See, this is one of those examples of the Holy Spirit uh, helping us, right? 
And, and it's an example of the Holy Spirit being with us, even in the midst of a difficult scenario. The Holy Spirit there to help and to guide, even the words that we say. And I do know this. I know that some of us, we really get caught up in the actual words that we say, and we do stress about how, we're, how we present things and what we say. And, and I just want you to understand that God is in this, especially when you're trying to accomplish something good. You're trying to love somebody who's difficult. You're trying to talk about the good news of Jesus. You're trying to communicate the love of God. And, and, and you don't know exactly what words to say. I would really point you to this verse, that you trust in the Holy Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak. I've been in ministry for 25 years. And there has been an odd reality that's happened all along the way. And it doesn't happen all the time, but it definitely happens about once, twice a year, where someone will come to me after a message that I've given or I speak at a conference, and they'll say, oh, Mike, when you said this thing, it totally changed my life. When you said this one thing and you used that one analogy, it just totally opened things up for me. And I'm just gracious in that moment, but the whole time I'm thinking, I don't remember saying that thing. And so I'll go back to my notes and I'll look, no, it's not in my notes. I'll go, I'll watch the video. No, it's not in the video. I've come to the conclusion that if anything powerful happens in your life spiritually, I didn't say it. <laughs> it was the Lord just speaking directly to you, right? It's the Holy Spirit just interceding and going right to your heart, knowing exactly what you needed to hear. And, and that's what Jesus is going to say. You don't have to worry. Because the Holy Spirit will help you. He'll be with you in the midst of this difficult scenario. Next verse, Luke 4, 14. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. You can circle that. Filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly throughout the whole region. Next, fill in the Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. And this is really good news, specifically given what we just talked about. Yes, the Holy Spirit will lead us into difficult circumstances, but the Holy Spirit will also empower us to thrive in the midst of difficult circumstances. You see, this is an example. Jesus was living and relying on the Holy Spirit, depending upon the Spirit's strength and not on his own strength. And that is an incredibly beautiful picture of what Jesus wants us to see, how we might live our lives. You see, anytime you can rely on your own strength, you will. Anytime you can solve your problems with your own intelligence, your own cleverness, your own connections, you will. And it's just how we're wired. This is, and I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. But the truth of the matter is when you're relying on your own strength or your own intellect or your own cleverness, it's finite. But when you come to the end of yourself and you begin to depend upon God's spirit, God's spirit is infinite. Talk about the creativity that's unleashed when you're relying on God's spirit, when you're being empowered by God's spirit, when you're totally trusting that the Holy Spirit is with you and within you and that he's a helper and that he's involved in leading you into truth and that, and that he wants to see you thrive in the midst of these difficult circumstances. When we rely on him, then Right? There's empowerment and there's victory and there's breakthrough in all these kinds of areas. And one of the ways that the Holy Spirit empowers us, if you're filling in the blanks, the Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts to us, to the followers of Jesus, to those who have placed their trust in the Lord. Let me give you two areas that you can study on your own, two passages. You might want to write down Romans 12, 6 through 8. You can look this up later. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. 
and 1 Corinthians 12, verse 28. And there are three kind of lists there in, in the scripture, the Apostle Paul's writing, and the, the, the gifts identified in Romans 12, I'm just going to buzz through these, prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, and mercy. The, the list in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 and following, words of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, prophecy, discernment, speaking in tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And the list in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, healings, helps, and administration. And I just list these quickly. I want you to see that every gift is beautiful. They are all wonderful. They're all important in God's kingdom. No gift is to be viewed as higher or lower than any of the others. For sure, I want to make sure we know, Overlake, that as a church family, if you happen to have a certain gift, we, we cannot look down on another person who might not have that same gift. There's no sense of superiority. There's no sense of, oh, this one's better than that one. Look, the Bible's really clear. It's just one spirit who gives all the gifts, that we are a part of one family, one baptism, we serve one Lord. So there's no sense of, hey, better than, less than kind of a thing. Second thing I want you to know about this is at Overlake, we do believe that, that uh, as you read through the New Testament and you see the way that God operates, you see the way that the Holy Spirit moves in the New Testament, we believe that that's still happening today. That, that it's, it's, it, there's not like a, oh, that was ancient times, now we live in modern times, there's a line drawn, or it's, you know, some people believe, oh, the Holy Spirit was so active in the first century because they didn't have the Bible yet. They didn't have the, the Bible printed or whatever. So once the Bible came, the Spirit withdrew, like, <laughs> I, I, gotta tell, I used to believe that, just so you know. And I, I repent of that thought. Like, I, I can't believe that I ever thought that God would withdraw from his people or that, that God would decide no longer would he be present in our lives. That's just so sad. Uh, to me, anyway, it's sad that I used to, I, I weep for my young self. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, but here's the deal. It, it, we, we believe this because... We see it. We see God changing lives. We see resurrection of faith. We see resurrection of marriages. We, we see healing. We see God heal in normal, everyday ways, uh, you know, with medical intervention. We see God heal uh, in miraculous ways. Like, we, we see the expression of these spiritual gifts in the lifeblood of the believers at Overlake Christian Church. So it would be silly for us to say, oh, God doesn't operate like that anymore when we just see it all over the place. Does that make sense? Okay, so some of you want to say amen, so go ahead and, yeah, you're excited about that. Um, the next thing that I want to talk about when it comes to spiritual gifts is some people believe and teach that when you become a follower of Jesus, you get like a gift or two, and then that's sort of in your satchel, and you just get to keep it there for the whole rest of your life. And, and, and that's not a bad thought, and I kind of think that most of the time, and, and so we are all about you discerning your gifts that God has given you and using those gifts in, in a way that benefits God's kingdom, because we want to see the kingdom served with passion and with skill, and so where God has gifted us, we want to operate out of those gifts. I think that's a wonderful thing. But I also think that when I was in seminary, my prof taught me that the, the language that Paul uses to de describe these spiritual gifts is more like just-in-time giving. 
It's like once you're in the midst of a situation that requires the use of a spiritual gift, it's in that moment that the Holy Spirit comes and empowers you with that gift. And it's not something that you like keep in your satchel and just pull out. It's something that God will meet you with and then, you know, and you might not have it in the next situation. Does that make sense? And it reminds me of, and by the way, this is such an, an interesting phenomenon. I, I did research this week. I, I love doing this stuff, but those stories, I read one about a grandma whose, uh, her, the, the truck tire was flat, and so, you know, the husband had cranked it up on the jack, and the little grandson kind of wanders under, the jack falls, the, the truck falls on the, the kid, basically, and the grandma goes, oh, and she lifts the truck off of the kid, and the kid kind of crawls out, and, and she puts the truck down, and, and then she goes and joins the U.S. weightlifting team. <laughs> No, right? You never see that like second. No, it just happened because it was a moment of adrenaline and the power of God, and then, and then it's over, right? She's not like advertising, hey, if your jam jar gets stuck, bring it to me, you know, power granny. Like, I mean, it's not like in her satchel forever, but it was like in that one specific instance. And to me, what's so good about this thought is that um, it allows you to embrace whatever difficult circumstance you might be in with much more confidence that the Holy Spirit is with you and will bring to you the gift that you need for that situation. And what I love about it is it prevents you from disqualifying yourself from certain ministries because you think, I don't have that gift. Does that make sense? Think about it in terms of growing up in a family. Your mom tells you, honey, I need you to go set the dining room table. And you say, mom, I don't really have that spiritual gift. <laughs> you say, you know what? Sister has that gift. She has the gift of helps. Ask her. Uh, then you say, uh, you know what, mom? My, my spiritual gift is teaching. So why don't you make sister set the table, and I'll just tell her how to do it right. <laughs> if I did that growing up, that would invoke my dad's spiritual gift of discipline. <laughs> Very unpleasant scenario that would. So, so the, the truth of the matter is, like, we, we believe that God would bring us into ministry, and then we believe that the Holy Spirit would empower us for that ministry, and, and that he would give us the gifts, and that we could develop the strengths that we need to flourish in those ministry contexts. I say all that because if you're here, you're part of the Overlake family, and you don't have a ministry right now. I'm speaking to those who don't have a ministry right now. Let me just tell you that there is an incredible need, and it's a celebration too. Our Kid Town ministry, our student ministries are experiencing phenomenal growth and energy right now. Like it's an amazing season for us. We need about 25% more leaders in both of those ministries. So if you're here, I'm making this super practical, this challenge that if you don't have a ministry, I really wanna challenge you, that you would jump in, that you would make your investment, that you'd pray, uh, Holy Spirit, empower me for these things. Empower me to love. Empower me to, to nurture, to guide, whatever it is. And, and, and then see an incredible yield on that uh, investment that you've made in God's kingdom. Okay? So, that, so that's the challenge. Again, all this under spiritual gifts. Next verse, Jesus says, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Interesting verse. Jesus is saying, you, you know, Mike, you're a dad. You know how to give good gifts to your kids. 
How much more does the Father delight in giving you good gifts, especially the Holy Spirit? If you're filling in the blanks, the Father delights to give us the Holy Spirit in abundance. He delights to give us the Holy Spirit in abundance. So don't hesitate to ask for more of the Spirit. You're not being greedy. You're asking according to the Father's will, according to the Father's delight. If you want more, the Father says, I'm happy to give you more. Growing up in my home, my dad had a rule at dinner time. When, when we would serve ourselves, you know, we'd dish our, our, our plates at dinner, his rule was you can take all you want, but you need to eat all you take. Take all you want, eat all you take. And my dad had a motive for this. The reason why he made this rule is because he loved leftovers. So he didn't want food wasted at the table. He wanted, you know, the stuff that was left over to be left over so he could enjoy that. And that's great. I think that's wonderful. It's a good, good rule. You might want to take it. Take all you want, eat all you take. However, what he taught me inadvertently was this. Your hunger determines the size of your portion. And you might want to write that down. Your hunger determines the size of your portion. Spiritually, that's true. And so if we are hungry for more of God's presence, of his spirit, of experience, of his nearness in our lives, the Father delights to give us more. But if our hunger is small, then our experience will probably be small. Right? Our, our hunger determines the size of our portion. And I just want you to see the equation, it rests squarely on us. We're the variable. God's not the variable. God's always available. God's always present. He's always good. He's always loving. He wants to be involved in our lives. We're the ones who can sort of determine the size of our experience. I would equate it to this. I would equate it to a couple, a married couple. And I would equate it to a couple. One member of the couple desires affection and, and love and, and all the romance stuff. And the other member keeps saying, no thanks. Right? And so the, the one member desires that and kind of, you know, winks and, and nice texts and initiates, you know, service and all stuff. And the other member's like, no thanks, not tonight, got a headache, I'm too busy, you know, whatever it is. And, and, and so after a while, the default level of affection in that couplehood will be very little affection. Does that make sense? Well, in that equation, God is the, the, the member who's texting and loving and serving, and we're the ones who are not that excited. And so if we say, no, thanks, God, no, thanks, God, no, thanks, God, again and again and again, then by default, that will be our spiritual experience of God's presence. So, so we're the ones who then need to say, oh, okay, Lord, I know that you're present. I know that you want this. So that's what I want too. And, and so I'm going to lean in. I'm going to press in. I'm going to ask for more. I'm going to desire more. And then, again, the Father delights in giving us the Holy Spirit in abundance. I want to skip the next verse, and I want to go just to the last verse. We're going we're gonna to jump down right now to Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. If you're filling in the blanks, very simply, the Holy Spirit produces fruit in our lives. And, and the kind of fruit that the Spirit of God produces in our lives is defined by these words. Love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Here's why we have to end our time together with this verse. It's because followers of Jesus, it's easy for us to, to get off track somewhere. And we do, we do this all the time. I'm so thankful for the grace of Jesus. I, 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 there's no way I can confess to you how many times I get off track. It's in the millions and trillions, okay? And, and it's just so, so you know, it's like God is just gracious and he, his, you know, his spirit kind of nurtures and guides us, gets us back on track. But here, here's the deal. Christians, followers of Jesus, sometimes we focus too much on doing things for God. And then it's all about duty or accomplishment. Sometimes, followers of Jesus, we get caught up, especially in the Holy Spirit conversation, we get too caught up in experiencing the Holy Spirit. So it's about phenomenon. What what the story really is about is who we are becoming in the Spirit. The story is about what kind of fruit is being produced in our lives. What, 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 What character do people see when they see you? When people hang out with you, what, what are the words that come to mind after they spend a couple of hours having dinner with you? What, if you, you, know, you meet with someone for coffee and do they walk away and go, oh, that person is so loving. Oh, they are so filled with joy. Do you see how much peace they have in their life? I can't, I can't remember the last time I was with someone that kind. Do you hear how gentle they were? how gracious they were with their word. They they didn't say a single negative thing about anyone else. How faithful they were, how good they were. Do you see, like, like when when you started going after that, you realize, oh, that's what it's about right there. That's what it's about. It's about being that kind of a person with self-control and faithfulness and gentleness and kindness and goodness and patience. Right? That's what it's, it's, it's about. Me becoming that person, that person that actually has the fruit of the character of God. And I just want to tell you this. This is what the Spirit of God does in our lives. So the more we lean in, the more we press in, the more we rely on Him, the more His Spirit or the, rather, the, his spirit develops this fruit in our lives. So that's, that's what it's about right there. Right? That's, that's it. And so here's what I want to do. I, I want to pray for us right now, and then I want us to, to praise the Lord together. And the, in the song that we're going to sing together, Pastor Dominic, his wife Anna, they, they've chosen a song that actually invites the Holy Spirit. It's an invitation. The words are about inviting the Holy Spirit to come. You're welcome here. And here's what I'd like for you to do. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about things right now in in your, maybe it's in your heart, maybe it's in the way that you think about the Holy Spirit, but things that you do, thoughts that you hold that keep you at arm's distance from him. I'd call them inhibitors. Any, anything that you do that makes sure that you, you don't have too much. You're okay with a little Holy Spirit. You like the warm fuzzies. Oh, that's good, you know. But anything that would be a part of really leaning into him and experiencing his presence and his counsel, that, that's a little too freaky. So here, here's what I want you to do. I, I want you, if you would, I want you to close your eyes. We're going to go into praise in just a moment, but close your eyes. And I want you to inhale deeply right now. And as you inhale deeply, I want you to envision that 
that you're drawing into your breath the breath of God. That God is with you and that God is within you. We're not talking about a scary God. We're talking about a God who is love. It's his character for you. He loves you. And he wants to dwell within you to be your helper, to lead you into difficult things, but to empower you to thrive and flourish no matter what's going on in your life. He wants to be present with you so that you can produce the kind of fruit that is a testimony to his goodness. It's a testimony to what his kingdom is all about. And as you breathe in the breath of God, we want to pray that God would make us hungry for him. And so we pray this. Lord God, we do ask that we would be hungry for more, hungry for a larger portion. We want to experience more of your presence in our lives. We want to experience more of your power. We want to experience more of your counsel and your comfort, more of your leadership and guidance in our lives. We want to ask, Lord, for more of your love, more of your joy, more of the peace that you bring, more of all of the fruit that you want to develop and produce in our lives. And specifically right now, Lord, we, we ask that you would show us what it is that we do and think that creates an inhibitor that prevents us from experiencing you, from knowing, really knowing and tangibly knowing that you're with us and within us. Just show us, Lord. We, we, we are open right now. We want more. We want our portion to be bigger. So we ask that you would even be involved in making us more hungry for you. We pray all this knowing that you love us. You know each and every one of us. You know how to speak to our hearts right now. And we invite that in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, why don't you stand up with me right now. And we're going to praise the Lord and we're going to sing. And if, if you would take a step, maybe, if you, would, if you would allow yourself to take a risk, and let's go ahead and let's ask for more from the Lord as we sing today.